0: It's not oh, like no. that. He's trying to explain. <laughs> He's like, "Are you guys playing with me?" I'll never, and, and 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 then I'm, there. I'm like, "No, Yvonne, we we we're going to the next city. I think we're going to Frankfurt from Hanover. Yeah. She thought, and it's like four or five hours by by the van. She thought, and Mona was laughing hysterical. Mona's like, "Are you it crazy, girl? So you crazy? So That's the kind of stuff we dealt with on the road." <laughs> <laughs> but well, let me say this: I think. I think, I remember getting a Giovanati from you when you remixed that Italian thing, uh, that yeah. Italian record. And I think that was one of the first records where not just Germany, but now Europe and UK really locked into you. Like, boom. It was like, Musti, what is this? Who is this guy? You know, you know how we always say, one record away from that big thing. That was... I think that was an important changing point. That's pre-Horny and all that stuff. You were doing right. a lot of great stuff. But I think that what the hell is it called again? Lombardico del Mondo. Del mondo. And, and yeah. Italy, they love that record. I remember getting it from you. I remember you asking what I thought of and I said, it's hot. The swing, wow. the drums, you had it right. You, and then yeah. you showed me that you getting the Incognito record to mix. and Yes. But Who was the inspiration in the beginning? Because you're in Germany. You're not traveling yet for this house thing. Are Mm -hmm. you just listening to the records and saying, I want to do this? Or was there DJs there playing? Were you hanging out? What was happening for you to go to this soulful house sound? Because something makes us all target, you know, a moment Um,
1: I think to be honest, Lenny, it's it's a mixture of both of what you just mentioned. It's basically DJ's playing the sound. And to be honest, it's guys like you. Guys like you who did that sound that we just like we couldn't get enough of it. You know, and obviously, you know, house music wouldn't get played on the radio in Germany. So you had to look for clubs. And that's at one point I met Boris Lugos, you know, who is playing at this very prestigious uh, uh front club, the I think the biggest gay club in uh or the uh, the coolest gay club in uh, in in Europe probably back in the day in Hamburg and he had records you know they had this amazing like record stores in Hamburg and I was like oh my god what is this what is this what is this I didn't know the music I, I knew a little bit and I was getting getting my my fix from the Hanover guys but basically Hanover you know smaller city and stuff so you had to go to the bigger cities so it's basically literally you know as I said is 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 the guys you know like you that basically gave us a sound and we're like, okay, we want to do the same thing. And at the beginning, you probably know it. You start emulating, you go like, okay, how did he do it? Let me copy that. Let me do that.
0: And then, and then down the line, you find your own way. how you do stuff. Right. It's like a roadmap. You listen to somebody else's stuff and you say, we're going to try to go this direction and we're going to do it. You start to put things in perspective,
1: right? Which, Which is fine at the beginning. You know, I wouldn't blame anybody. You know, if you, if you come up with your own sound immediately, lucky you. But a lot of people, you know, whether it's Prince, whether whoever, you know, they're all influenced from somebody, you know.
0: Everybody has that influential person. Exactly. For me, it was the disco thing. All the disco records is what we wanted to do. Lucky guys, man. I mean, I, I
1: was always. I wouldn't say I envied you guys, but obviously, you know, I mean, New York was so. I mean, especially now, you know, when when all these like new formats like glitter box and all these like, you know, they. They, they open so many people's eyes and they give them basically like, all right, you know, you have to look way back in the 70s when it like started. And then, I mean, in New York, basically, you had it all
0: there,
1: you know. It was Yeah, there. right.
0: It's our playground. You, were right. living it, you know what I mean? Musically, radio-wise, you didn't have to go to the clubs. You heard it on the radio. you knew Crazy. You know, Crazy. It's around you. Crazy. Was, and then it just stopped, Musti. Could you imagine right. that? It's all around you and then just like someone crashed a car and it just stopped. Wow! yeah but you all all of you in the eu and in the uk kept that music going you never said disco died. you know you you just basically you know like a piece of clay you take it and you reshape it it's clay but it's differently like you know you made it to the 80s and the 90s and then here we
1: are But, but i mean but but you put it let's put it that way you guys uh put it in the world and then obviously, like like everything, you know, it's basically, it, it evolves, you know what I mean? And then you got the whole house thing, you got the whole techno thing, you have the UK sound, you have the, the you know, the German electronica sound, and, and, and then it started. You know, you couldn't, you couldn't stop
0: it. You couldn't hold no, it No, you couldn't stop it. No, you couldn't. So now that you're having the, these remixes, and I remember going to your club, and I and I also remember your friend had that jazz club too. Yes. Hot spot.
1: Yeah, Palo Palo, yeah, really cool.
0: Palo Palo. And you took yeah. me and he says, Oh, you gonna like it? Super cool, good yeah. people, nice food. It's a great place. and it really was. It was one of those spots yeah. where I went and heard Roy Ayers. Everybody yeah. loves the sunshine. I'm like, and everybody's there and they're all happy. Yeah. And he's like, This is our, like you said, this is like our paradise garage. This is <laughs> our this is our thing, and he's our man, and all that. And and I remember him being such an influence in the Hanover scene and you having your own club and the offices and all that stuff. But see now, I know for you, it was breaking out of Germany was the big thing. Okay. I knew you were going to do it. We all knew it because you were, nothing was going to stop. You were pulling records in and making deals. You were doing remixes and, you know, you were doing what you do and you were starting to play out regularly and doing everything. Giovinati's, like I said, was that big breakout record. What's the next thing that happens in your timeline that, you know, we go, whoa, you know, this is, this is for you. Whoa, this is huge. You know?
1: Um, I mean, again, you know, don't, don't forget, you know, I mean, Germany, I think back then as well, it was probably the fourth fourth biggest music market on the planet. Big time. Yeah. It's just like, had. Had a lot of, you know, but musically it, it was basically, I mean, they had their own style and I was like doing what I do, but then, you know, how, you know, how it works. Basically you do a great mix, you do a great production, whatever it gets, you know, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger labels n- labels notice you, which basically American labels, you know, they have subsidi- subsidi- subsidiaries in, in Germany, Warner brothers, universal, you know, Sony, whoever. So they start giving me jobs. You know, like, like Giovanotti, I did for Mercury back then, which is uh, universal. And then again, everything way before internet, Uh, you know, you do white labels, you send it over the pond, you send it to the UK, whatever. And then you slowly, after a couple of months, you get feedback via fax, you know, like, like they fax you, you know what I mean? There's no email, no nothing. you know, so that's, that's how the hype machine started back then. You know, it was a very slow process. Yeah, but I was, I was gonna say,
0: how long did that take? Tell them from when you finished the record, how long was that taking for things to really expand?
1: A month. A month. It's really crazy. I mean today's twenty-four hours. You know, maybe even faster, you know. It, back then month. But it was kind of it was so organic, you know, it was really good. And and then, you know, again how it works is here, you know, then they go like, Oh, you know, he's he's cool and I like this production, whatever. And then you get, you know, you get the UK guy slowly asking for work. And, and then, you know, at one point, you know, like fast forward, you know, you do like cool cool underground stuff, but you do like cool remixes on, on like a bigger scale as well. And then, um, I was at this very important weekend for me, you know, I had a nice studio set up. It was really small, but it was like, it was sounding right. You know, I I did my thing. I mean, you know, my studio, so you've been there. Um, hold on, hold on. He has the only console I ever heard before. My tech. Mytek, yeah, and I still have it. It's crackling, See? it's yeah, it's a piece of shit, but it's it sounds
0: wonderful, you know. I mean, crackling, it was yeah, crackling, it then. crackling, everything yeah. it's crackling, then it's 45 yeah. <laughs> years later, it's still crackling, yeah. yeah.
1: Go ahead, so, yeah, it's a my tech console, and, and it was a you know, like the previous guys they did rock on it, but it, it still works for me, especially now if you combine like analog and digital stuff, but whatever. So, I had this. Important weekend for me, and and back then, I mean, yes, workaholic, but it felt it just came easy, you know. What I mean, you just just doing it, and yeah, like another mix. Blah, blah. So I had like three days, and I think in these three days, I was, I was doing, uh, I was doing a remix for what was it, Quincy Jones back then, Quincy Jones, Mr. President, you know, this uh, Coco Jumbo, this very commercial track, but I did like, did, like cool mixes, and I was. I'm not sure if it was a weekend, maybe I'm tripping, but I did this remix basically, or I had asked to do this remix for Michael Jackson ghosts. So it was Sony, There was Sony us, you know, and I was like, Oh my God, this is great. You know, hey. this is like, you know, amazing. And, uh, yeah, huge, huge. The, yeah. I mean, the opportunity was great, but I was still, you know, little musty. I was like, all right, you know, I'm going to do my best. And then again, you know, just think about it probably today, having all these like social media, or whatever you would be like on the, doing selfies with, like, a whatever. Ah, oh, Michael Jackson, binging yourself up. You know, back then it was just like, look, you know, just let me do the work and, and you know, let me do the best I can. So I did that. I did, like, a, a down tempo, like, a radio mix. I did, like, a club mix. And then I started this um, dub version. So I said, like, because that, that was basically my, my thing, to do, like, you know, I just want a want song, you know, I just want to cater a lot of people. And if I do a club mix, I want to make sure that I do a dub mix, that that gets played in like really cool clubs for sure. So that was my, you know, so I started with that. And then I was, although I was a workaholic, I was, I was, a workaholic. I was working a lot. I was always late. So, you know, and back then there wasn't like we transfer or something like via internet. There was the courier waiting seven or eight o'clock in the morning to take the, the DAT cassette to the airport to the label, you know? So I was like at five o'clock in the morning, I was like, Oh my God, I'm not going to make it, you know, to finish this dub. So I'm like, look, I already delivered two great great mixes. That's it. You know, let me bury the the dub mix and probably you know revisit it later for something or whatever. So I delivered the mixes. You know, everybody was happy. Month later, um, you know, we had we had the studios back in the day in the in the, in the city center. Now, like twenty years ago, we moved uh, a, a little outside of the city. So it was a great like nineteen thirties building. You know, we, we had the studios. There was like a little club we had downstairs. And for this club, I think for the opening, we booked Roger Sanchez.
0: Yes, I remember. So, I
1: mean, yeah, I met Roger before, so, you know, he was happy to come. And, you know, obviously he was there, I was hanging like 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 we did, Lenny. And then we were playing music and stuff, and then I played him some, some unfinished stuff. And then I played him Horny, you know, the dub of the Michael Jackson record I was doing. You know, it's exactly like how the instrumental of Horny was. You know, it, it's, I played around with samples. I did the beats, whatever. And then I never finished it. And Roger literally lost it. He was like, oh my God, I need it. Doing acetate, print it on vinyl. And I was like, okay, really? You like it? And then uh, my partner, Errol, he, he was like, oh my God, we have to do it. But, you know, basically we printed it. It flew out of the, the window as an instrumental. You know, it, it really, we sold a lot of records, vinyl. I was very happy about it. And then triggered, that triggered the music industry to so basically they already said, okay, what's a track? And then they, they started bidding on the record. And then that again made us kind of like, all right, if the people already like this as an instrumental, why not try to write a song on top of it? And that's how we basically, you know, finished the whole horny thing.
0: Who wrote the song? Mm.
1: It was myself and Arrow.
0: Lyrically too, Musti, you wrote the
1: lyrics. I, I did the hook line actually. I did the hook line. You did. I didn't say I didn't
0: know that part.
1: I did the hook line. You know, er- Errol is re- really good in kind of like putting beautiful, sensible meaning into songs by writing amazing verses, and then we kind of straighten it out lyrically and and, and rhythmically. I mean, that's a job for, as a producer, but I'm I'm good with hook lines. I can't really like, write you know full songs. You know, just musically. But like for, 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 for lyrics, I'm good with hook lines.
0: So I'm going to presume that you always heard that hook in your head, even though when you did those samples and you were playing around, you kind of knew what that, that hook line was going to be. You just no, had- that,
1: that came later, Lenny, that came, really came later. The, the track was what it was. And then basically we had, since we knew Inaya Day from our work for Keep Pushing for Boris, I said to Inaya, look, Inaya, because I didn't want to, I didn't want to mess up the record by putting a full song on it. I said, like, probably it's not right, but let me just put a chorus on it. Let me just go like, you know, "Ah, I'm honey, whatever. So we recorded just the chorus without the verses. Uh, Inaya did that. And then we're like, all right, that feels okay, but somehow, you know, we want to do more. And then Inaya wasn't available anymore after she did that, so she was gone. And then we got Emma in, you know, from the UK. So it's like basically Inaya did the hook line. Then with Emma, you know, we wrote the song. Error wrote the lyrics. You know, and, um, Emma recorded it. And then somehow we had this patchwork, you know, which worked,
0: you know. And the rest is history because next we know we see you in the video all fly. And then MTV video and you're glossy looking. And you look Maybe. like a super producer, sex bomb guy, horny Mr. himself, went from... You really like it too. Oh my God, we're going to a gold record now. You know, what yeah. I'm but,
1: but the funny thing is, Lenny. I mean, I mean, it all sounds cool now. But back then, I was, I was so it's, so. so it's, I mean, obviously, you now we had like music sessions. We had MTV in Germany and stuff, and and they always had like the cool, the, you know, cool, cooler sessions, whatever. So you would they would come with you, you know, when you film, uh, when you play at a club, they would film you like in a cool way. But when you have this pop record, all of a sudden. And people people start turning, crawling on the streets, you know, when they see you. It tot- it totally, intim- I, I was like, all right, it really didn't feel good. It really did not feel good. I, I, it was basically, I was almost like, you know, I can't have this, you know. I, I don't want to, you know, this kind of, um, this is too pop for me, you know. I want to be cool, I want to be underground, this is too much, you know. And luckily enough, because, you know, this is not a contradiction, you can do a big pop record and still do under- underground records, you know. I mean, this is, you know, all of, all of us kind of did it. You know what I mean? Which is, which is great. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a great experience. And then, uh, basically I, I learned, I learned to work with that. And to be honest, I'm now very thankful. I mean, this is basically the same thing. What we're doing right now, it's like doing MDD back in the day, exactly what? the same thing. You know what I mean? And it's fantastic. It gives us a platform. People get to know us and they get to know the story from the source, you know, which is great.
0: Yeah, I mean, nobody can lie now. We can't make this up. I can't (laughs) lie. (laughs) There's nothing to lie about it. We're we're actually hearing the the real story, the way it happened, and even hearing you say that you were stressed and nervous because I do remember that about you. You were a very sweet guy, always. Very humble, very organic and real. And I remember you Mm -hmm. asking the questions to us when we heard the records, do you really like it? And you said, I really want you to tell me the truth. Yes. That you, I remember that. Yes. And then I says, well, how can we not tell you the truth then? If you're asking,
1: <laughs> you know, yeah. because. Yeah but, but, yeah. but to be honest, my comfort zone was, and probably still is the studio, you know, it's, well, it's I, I, you know, it, it, there I'm, I'm, I'm at home and there where you really get the best out of me. I mean, now, you know, with all the experience that we have, and obviously With the DJ gigs, which is a vital part of what we do, you know, it's, it's, it's another extension of the studio, I would say, but, but I was really, I was depending on what you
0: guys think. I was really depending on that. Did you ever think an underground record like that would go pop? No. And, and I
1: still, I mean, I always kind of like, you know, with a, with a, with a twinkle in my eye, I said it was a, it was a great, great accident, the record, because it wasn't planned in anything. And I remember, and, and the, and the journey was so beautiful because, you know, we took it to Miami to the music conference. So Louis Louis was, he was caning the instrumental, you know, the whole, what was the club again where we always played on the corner? Oh, um,
0: when they did the magic sessions party.
1: Yes. Yes. So right now. he yeah. was playing the instrumental. And when I, when I heard that, I was like, wow. So it went from being a really, really cool record that all, you know, Louis and everybody was playing to a, a pop record. So, you know, you could really see as a good example to see, you know, what could, can happen to a record. And, and today I think it's, it's okay. You know, if people do cool records and they, and they go big, but back then I was feeling like, Oh man, hopefully that's okay. You know? And, and it was, yeah. And, and, and I don't know, I mean, we're, we're probably going to speak about sex bomb later, but uh, I was yeah, like, to- sorry.
0: We are going to talk about because people are asking me all week. You know, make sure he talks about it. I'm like, of course, I'm going to have him talk about it. What do you think? Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> no, Lucy, okay. I'm going to let you go now. I mean, listen, have a good night. You know, what I mean, that's.
1: No. But, right, but, but but let me tell you a cool story because it it really opened my eyes that you know horny was what it was. You know, it was a big success. I'm very grateful for it. You know, and and um you know it's it's a classic, and I'm I'm you know I'm 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 proud. Obviously, when you have. The first record, you kind of go, the record company goes like back then because, you know, it wasn't Pepin' Jam, but we had a bigger distribution. And they go like, all right, Musty, what do we have to do now? You have to deliver an album with 13 hornies on it. 13 right. It no, you know what I mean? They go like one, you know, it's it's a blueprint, so we want 13 of those. So the, the album's going to fly. And I was like, okay, that's logical. And i will never played anybody. And I probably have to dig it out because I think there's some cool tracks there. But I never played how uh, what I did because I, I said like, all right, I'm going to give it a chance. But I said like, no, this is too cheap for me, and that's too too much the easy way. So I did my first album, the funk and soul album, like totally the opposite way, go made a funk. But that said, I was still I was having the chance to work with people, and we knew Tom Jones' son, who was his manager, Thomas uh, uh, Mark Woodward so we so we did this i, I did this really cool groove it was, it was like a blues thing and then errol errol did like this really cool song it was called sex symbol the song was called sex Symbol, and we we're like all right yeah this is cool but then i was like yeah sex symbol doesn't you know it doesn't feel right so i sex bomb you know and then i was doing that sex bomb and, and we're like all right great so that's how we write songs you know you go and in the lab, and then you you know, piano and beats and all that stuff. So we did the song. We got Emma from Horny, we got her in to do the demo for Sex Bomb. And then I, said, I said, like, look, this is a great song. I would love to have it on my album. Um, why don't we send it to Tom Jones and ask him to sing it? You know, if he's if he loves the song, maybe it could be a nice little, like, nice little thing, you know, nice little uh try. So we send it to him. Um Literally, I, I don't know if it was a day or two days later, they called immediately said, like, wow, what a song. Tom would love to do it. And then basically I flew to London um, having the, uh, the DAT with the song, like the dig- digital audio tape. Uh, we met in the studio. I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. You know, told him, like, what, what, a, what kind of a big fan my mom is and all that. I
0: stuff. was going to say
1: that. That's right, your mother. Yeah, Your mother. You know, see, 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 see the turnaround now, you know, me hating Tom Jones's music when I was a when I was a, a, a kid, you know, to kind of like going like, oh, my God, he's one of the greatest singers on the planet. And then being in the studio with him. So we, we we, we you know, we did the song and, and then, you know, um, back then in the studio, we didn't have like too much options kind of like for like pitching and all that stuff. So, you know, what we did, because he's Tom is a pro, you know, he can sing in any key, but he knows his sweet spots. So we did a, he, he, did a, he did a take on the original key, and then he was like, Musti, I can take this higher. And I was like, uh, okay, how do I do that? And then luckily enough, you know, there was an even tight harmonizer. Now now I'm getting getting a bit nerdy. So I put the whole music through the harmonizer and pitched it a couple of, couple of uh, um, notes up. And Tom did, a, did an amazing take. And it was really, he was like super cool to work with. And basically, that's how I did the, the key change in the song. Because I, for the first part, I used his original uh, uh, recording, and then there's a li- little like chord transition in the in the like towards the end. Goes a da da da, da, six, bom, da you know. And then I use the second part. So sometimes you're just lucky. You just do stuff in the studio, and then it turns out to be a great element for the for the arrangement. And then what happened? Basically, Tom goes, "Look, I know you want to use that song for your album, but..." Can I have it for my album? And I was like, "Look, you're the dude. Do whatever you feel like." So you know.
0: So that modulation was something because he wanted to do the modulation of the of how many? Do you remember how many half steps you went up? Four. That's a lot, Musti. Yeah, four. So, so it was literally,
1: dun, dun, dun. and and he I didn't know that. That I was. I, I didn't know. Yeah, I, did, I didn't know that from beforehand. That I would. and he went up four, and and the you know i mean i mean that's that shows you what kind of a singer he is he goes easily from i just did a great track from like four four semi uh, semi steps lower but let me take that four up easy for him you know crazy
0: yeah because back in the day to do that you had to do it through the eventide there was actually, this is a, he's talking, this is a heavy, this is a rack mount unit that a lot of rock people use. And what they would do is they would put the vocals in their one voice and they would be able to take it and make four voices. and yeah, like, to a choir. Play, like a choir, you do some cheating. So he said, well, he's like, he said, uh, I need it up higher. So that's more in his range. So the quickest way was put the whole track through and just dial it up.
1: <laughs> is that? <laughs> it sounded really dodgy. But, you know, to, to put the whole track in there, but it helped me to to record his vocal in a in the right key. And then I oh yeah, that's that's what I wanted to say, Lynn. Just let me finish. Okay, so sex yeah? That track blowing up everywhere and stuff. And I had I had a very, very dear friend of mine who I already did business with a long time ago because he was a friend of the label. He signed Horny for the UK, Simon Dunmore. We all know him from Defected records, glitter box, everything. One of my dearest, real dear friends. I love him. Simon called me up and said, like, you know, us having a mutual success with Horny previously. Uh, Mousti, congratulations on the I don't know, you know, who are number two on number one, whatever. Congratulations, but this is the end of your coolness. <laughs> <laughs> he scared the shit out of me.
0: Really? He <laughs>
1: Yeah, he said this is the end. You know, it's not such cool a no more.
0: You're Not cool. Yeah. yeah, exactly. This
1: is like such a big record. This is Can so. I
0: mean, could you imagine if that would have happened now with social media? That whole social media machine at that time, what that would have done for you? Crazy, the right? Craziness.
1: Crazy. Yeah. But he scared me. I, I was. I, I knew. Was what he, he was serious? Saying. Was he serious when he said that? Uh, he was probably serious when he when he said. It, but obviously, he's such a you know. He's a music lover. He knows you know. But back then, back you know, that's what I was saying. You know, we, we're doing good records, and we were hoping to be successful. But we're always doing it on this like cool little a. Hey, you know, we're underground. We're house music, whatever. And and this record kind of like you know just stuck out there, and then it kind of did something else. You know, and although. I, 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 did vinyl on my label as well with like pulled up mixes on the, on the flip side and stuff. It, yeah. And, and Simon was like, look, congratulations. This is huge, but this is the end of your coolness. And he really scared me. And then, but, but through Sex Bomb, I did basically developed that I'm, um, I, I would love to explore more musically, not only in house music and dance music, but like everywhere, which I did. And plus I discovered you're only as cool as your last record. So I can do a million sex bombs. I mean, hopefully, you know, but whatever. But if you come
0: back and do a really cool house track or whatever, you're that dude. So no. you must have good potent power to be able to be a sex. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you must have good potent power, my friend. He stays hard into the groove.
1: Exactly. Stays- <laughs> hard, hard, hard. No, but 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 Lenny, really, but 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 Sex Bomb was written be- because we had um, Tom Jones in mind. And for us, obviously him, you know, at concerts, you know, the ladies always they bring their underwear and throw it on the stage and all that stuff.
0: not Exactly. exactly. So, so, so
1: that's the idea. The song was written about the sex bomb, Tom Jones.
0: But then you got Simon Dunmore at that time at a and because he wasn't affected yet and he just came off a cool tempo and he calls you. And I can imagine what that phone call must have felt like. Cause I've talked to him many times and done work with him as well. That's a blow. It's an ego blow. It scares yeah. the crap out of you because you're saying, well, if he's thinking like that, what are the other AR people thinking? Yeah. First Pre all, to the whole know. social media game. Pre to, you know, that's another thing that I wanted to ask you. How do you handle this change? You know, you're no longer an underground guy now. You're a commercial producer, somewhat. Yeah, Doing- right. So how do you handle now that you're not, you know, people are maybe afraid to to step to you because they're afraid they can't uh, maybe afford you at the time, or you know, because this changes a lot of people's views. You know, that first part, what, what was part after that? What happened? What was this? You're also drinking champagne and, and you're in the Alps skiing. That I know. And enjoying yourself. But at the same time, things are changing around us too. Oh, most importantly, you must remember this, Musti. There was no commercial market to how house music went from the street level to that pop idol level. Right. Remember, we wrote that as we went. That did not, right. there was nobody to look back at.
1: There was yeah. nothing to look back at, right? But yeah, t- totally. And and to be honest, we always had that big, one big house record every year, whether it was Gypsy Woman, whether it was uh, 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 Free, you know, whether it was, uh, you know, the, the uh, Stardust or whatever. There was always like this big, th- finally, CC Peniston. There was always this big one standout track. And it was, it was great. But again, I think we're coming back to what we said very early in our discussion that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just wishing for every artist to have a moment of success in his life. Because it, it kind of, it really helps you first of all, to consolidate and like to, to be able to continue what you do. And, but it opens your eyes. It opens your eyes and pats you on your shoulder and says like, look, man, well done. Just keep on doing, it. you know, that's so important. And to be honest, right. And, and I admit, I was very cautious about this old man. Hopefully, uh, ho- hopefully it's like underground enough and cool enough. And long time not anymore. I just go like, look, just do great records, whether they're commercial, which actually it's a compliment. A lot of people hear it and like it. You know, it's a great compliment. But to, just do high quality, whatever it is. You know.
0: So it made your life a lot easier to transition and keep that level now as after the sex bomb you've had all the successes of course and you produce so many you know things uh you even trans (laughs) you transcended into the television screen too as part of your career yes Uh, being a a judge kind of like the simon cowell of germany in a sense
1: yeah i mean obviously you know on a a way smaller small but it was basically pop idol for yeah Oh yeah. For for a better word, in the fourth largest market in, in, (laughs) but you know what? Another thing happened there because obviously, you know, you do that, you get great offers, you know, and you think, look, this is a great tool to make, to get more, more people interested in my music. And I learned one more thing that it just done for me. It didn't, you know, it didn't translate the people. They got no, they got to know me. And that's said, like as a personality. Said, oh, he's a cool guy, blah blah blah. But it didn't bring me an, one like more sold record. So you know, it's really th- th- those kind of concepts, at least in Germany. Because I know in the UK and in the US, you know, and that's what I what I what I um, love you guys for. You know, you take it way more. I don't know, serious, professional. You know, because we have people coming out like like um, uh, Jennifer Hudson and, and and you know, like really cool, amazing artists who basically have a long, a long a long life in, in entertainment. And in Germany, you know, you have always the winner of the show in next year. Nobody knows who she or he was. And that's a bit sad, you know?
0: So it's pretty much like having a used car lot. It's like in and out next year, next car. Exactly. Wow. Wow. So from the sex bomb era, you're DJing, you live in life. That's in the two thousands. And of course, Analog vinyl business ends and the digital world begins for all of us. What's your transition like at that time? What do you do? Because you're part of the, anal- I'm sorry, my friend. You're part of the tape generation. You're part of the vinyl generation. You're all part of everything. What do but
1: you to do? Be honest, yeah, but I consider us to be very lucky because Lenny, as you just said, we know all these times that we can ha- still handle that but we're open enough and we know the new times too, you know what I mean? Exactly. We're a very lucky, lucky, very cool generation. So it's cool. We're not, you know, and I'm not telling anybody, you know, to play vinyl or to only play this or whatever it's up to everybody, you know, to, to, you know, for me, the music, the music is very, very important. But as you said, you know, we, we start building the company. I was lucky enough to have a, I have two big records, which obviously helped us funding the company and make it bigger and, and, and and make it make it broader as well in terms of like businesses, and um, but at the same time as you said, you know, we we're coming from having our own distribution, vinyl, CD, whatever, to this point where you know we had to kind of face that our people tell us that like, oh, by the way, you're losing like I don't know hundreds of thousands of uh, euros. Um, a year or whatever, because people are copying your your stuff online. And we're like, what is online? You know, where how? You know, this is online. How does it work? You know? What do
0: you mean online? Like right. Yeah. Exactly what you mean, you know.
1: Online, online. And that's how we how we got to learn to kind of like deal with the business. I mean, at the very beginning it was kind of like probably it's it it wasn't like a cool thing anyway, but a lot of like law companies, they're kind of like this, they were smelling business. So they say like, they're contacting us saying like, look, people are stealing your music online. Just give us the mandate. And then, you know, we sue everybody up and down. And we said like, look, you know, don't sue them. But at least, you know, we want to tell them not to do it. You know what I mean? Just, you know, tell them. And then, you know, it kind of got very, very kind of not nice. You know, it was kind of like a, you know, it was strange. But I mean, I think we got the transition okay. But I have to admit that we weren't the first ones to do it. You know what I mean? We're looking at... Okay, let's see how this all how this all translate and and a story that I heard I think it's true from one of the former uh, managing directors from Universal Germany who basically um, were they owning Philips the company was well, Philips in Holland they uh, developed the CD player and the minute no Philips was owning Universal sorry. And the minute they developed a CD player, basically con- uh, like, like a, a, a tool where you can copy music on and with they sold Universal. So you see, they developed that. And then the minute they understood what it would mean that you copy music, whatever, they said like, all right, our music branch, Universal, we will sell. We don't need that anymore.
0: We were devastated. Yeah. All of us were. I'm sitting here just remembering that news, that. Phillips this put out. They released the CD recorder just exactly. like that. The second that, within a month later, Universal was sold. Yeah, we were like, yeah. and they all said the same thing to us: "Oh my God, our music is over." Let's remember them saying to us, and I was it's like,
1: "Crazy, right?"
0: What do you mean over? Yeah. Oh, they, they, you're going to be able to record. Digitally copy everybody's stuff down. There'd be no way of holding it down anymore. It was like.
1: Yeah. That but was. Then another, yeah. Another. I mean, the record industry, they owned. They, they they earned so much money with the CD. I mean, you know it, Lenny. The CD is so cheap to, to produce. You know, it's. They earned so sense. much. And it was golden, golden ages. You know what I mean? And now. Yeah. M- now it's like other ages. But, you know, I'm not condemning everything. You know, it's basically about, you know, we have to find our ways to do it, to, to deal with
0: it. So did you have to work hard to bring Moosty's profile from this older world into the social media when the social media thing began? Because we went through the transition of LimeWire and all that fun stuff that we were able to get all basically drink from the well for free. We'd have have the music. That's how you can drink all day and nobody's there to take a dime. Right. Exactly. So we're all sitting there going, oh, my God. Then record shops around us are closing. HMVs, Virgin Records, all the big Sony 3MV, owed thousands, tens of thousands to record labels. They were going into bankruptcy. That changes. And then all of a sudden, what comes from these ashes is now this thing called MySpace. And the beginning <laughs> of the this- show. True. <laughs> yeah. Remember the, it was like a Phoenix arising. What the hell is MySpace? Does anybody remember what MySpace is? But we were all having to figure out how to create a dot-com site. Exactly. Because we all felt, why do we need that? They know who we are, right? Exactly. MySpace. Yeah. Is start- so how does that work for you guys? What did you wind up doing in transition into this? Did you have a company take care of it? Or were you all over that stuff? figuring it out. I mean, back in the day, I think we had, we had quite,
1: quite a good staff. I think we were like, you know, a little over 20 people. So we we were taking, taking care of that at the beginning ourselves. And, but obviously, you know, seeing, seeing like, you know, what friends or like colleagues were doing and stuff. And I mean, the good thing is, you know, if you have a music catalog and that's what it always comes back to, whether it's analog or or whatever, people somehow one day will discover you. They will discover your music and your work and something. So you know that's what we did. And obviously, we did. Actually, now that you're saying, I'm probably, I'm probably going to see if my MySpace account still works and see what my <laughs> profile photo looks like.
0: <laughs> you forgot about it, right? You probably totally, forgot about it. totally. Yeah. Well, that's okay. we laugh about this, but everybody does. anybody know what MySpace is? No. They're like, no. Yeah. That's what that was. That was the first initial reaction of getting friends pre Facebook. Yeah.
1: But how cool that you, I mean, obviously, you know, with us, you know, obviously we were meeting through our music at gigs, your know, mutual friends. They were like hooking us up at the music, uh, Miami music conference. And now you have this other level yeah. of like, you know, being able to kind of like, you know, uh, type in house music, hashtag, whatever. And it shows you, oh man, I always wanted to hit up such and such, whatever. And then there
0: you go, you know, crazy, Less, right? Crazy, crazy. Before smartphones, it was like, yo, I got the new Ericsson phone. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, right, dong. And then it was like, <laughs> then it went down to how small your phone could be. It was like, yeah, exactly. This, this is how big the phone was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this Thank big. You. We, we sound on. old, Eddie. We sound so old. But it's okay. We have to teach them. Exactly. So here, I, <laughs> let me just remind everybody, as much as everybody thinks this is a green screen behind me, it's not a green screen. I still have my studio. But like Musti, because I've been watching him pushing his packs, which he'll talk about in a moment. He's put together music packs and stuff that he does, his sounds. You want to be like Moosty, you can buy his sounds and all that. But we're also very cutting edge, too. We're very techy. We're not left behind. Don't think we're sitting here like in our cradle chair going, Well, (laughs) we used to do it with the needle rocking chair. Yeah, we're sitting (laughs) with the rocking chair. Well, we used to, you know, with our needles and our vinyl. Yes, we love vinyl. I love vinyl. My back doesn't love vinyl, but I love vinyl. Mm. I mean, you know, it was it was you were special when you had vinyl. Like, especially when you got When you had access to people like Musti, they were mixing records and he's giving you dad tapes right from his mixing desk, you know, here and you're cutting plates and you're playing stuff way, way because you believed in what this guy was making. It wasn't a matter of you were doing it because you were just friends. You still had integrity. You wanted to be one of the first to blow up a record. I'll never forget when he said that. And he mentioned Roger Sanchez, not right after when he brought Roger Sanchez to Parkhouse in Hanover, I had Kane to stay with them and work with them and stuff and go on tour. He said this magic words to me. He said, Roger loved the record. And he didn't call it horn. He just said, here. And I remember hearing it and I went, wow, this is dope. I remember saying that to you. This is really dope, dude. Wow. Yeah. And you were like, you really like it? Roger yeah. said it was good. So he was always a record promoter. And he didn't even realize he's promoting, but he's promoting. True. He's telling True. me that. and it, And of course, if Roger has it, then by God means I have to have it now. I want to know what it is. And he's like, what do you think? I says, I think this thing's going to blow. I remember telling you that yo, this thing's going to blow up. I remember playing it in New York and everybody asking me every time I play, what the hell is this? Well, his record. And then it got picked up and then the rest was history. But that was our social media. He relied on us from me to him, to another person, to start to create the buzz and that's how the buzz began yeah
1: and and and, and how it works obviously you're a you're a you're a solo personality as a dj but you play to hundreds of thousands of people during a year yeah you are the best like promoter ever that's how it worked you play to people they go home In, in the best case they go to the record shop the next day and say like oh i heard this record it goes like this or whatever great that's how it worked
0: that's what I'm trying to explain to everybody. Cause now they they watch you in the studio and you do, and I've seen you do it, and I'm and I am also guilty as charged. We're in the middle of making a record, and we want to get that feeling of hype. Come exactly. on, Musti, you do exactly. it. Yeah, You're like, exactly. hello, hi, my name is Mousti. <laughs> <Hello>. Right now <laughs> I'm working on blah blah blah, yeah. Duran Duran, and coming off tour and it sounds so fabuloso Hmm.
1: yeah but that's that's what you said i mean obviously you know we we we, you know guilty as charged yes but it's it's genuine you know you're in the studio you have this beat you have this feeling as nobody around you go like oh my god you know and then you go like this and and people people really like it you know which i like because i could i could post you like a you know, sitting somewhere in the sun with an espresso, go like, oh, life is beautiful, fantastic, but hey, who cares? You know, there's way more beautiful ladies doing that where everybody goes like, okay, great, let, let me give him a like. But <laughs> if we if we do do what's close to us and authentic to us, with us, where the people go, yes, we know what he's doing. They, those guys are producing, and it's good. Oh, my God, we, 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 we're going to get a glimpse of, of, of what they're doing right now. I love that. I love the thing. I love doing it, to be honest. It's great.
0: You need it, like all of us yeah. do. We yeah. are crowd pleasers. We live off the excitement that comes from the people. So True. if the people give you that roar, that roar yeah. you True. feel like, I don't care how many gold records you've hold, held and the things you're involved, there's nothing like crowd response. Come on, you True. know that.
1: True. Which was a big mistake. for uh, no,
0: what do you mean mistake?
1: What do you mean? Uh, well, not mistake, sorry. Uh, it was a, a, a big uh, a big problem last year, you know, with not having... Oh,
0: yeah, COVID. Yeah, you yeah, know. Yes. Right.
1: Not to, uh, be, you know, that's... I mean, now that you say it, it really, you know, it's, it's... I feel it, you know. It's like you couldn't, you know... You could have... You can have a lot of followers on, on socials, but, you know, there's nothing... You know, there's nothing like the direct response.
0: Nothing. No, I know. And you know something... Oh, so, you know, on this timeline of Mustis, OK, so, you know, you have the apex of great records and great productions and you're doing what you're doing and running the life, trying to balance everything. You get on German television, you start becoming a, uh, a celebrity. Because you are a celebrity, and some you know, you're next to as close to Hollywood as without being in Hollywood movies, but <laughs> exactly, you are watching,
1: you're watching, you're yeah, in you're, you're watching
0: <laughs> you on TV, it's kind of cute. I was mean, like, Go, Moosey! Like, I, right, right. Like, you. To you. like, wow, where, did, where are you going now? I mean, put COVID aside, let's talk about pre COVID. What was the plan of action in your mind? Like, where are some of the things? that you need to see come to fruition. Like you need to see this, you know, success is done. We know Mm -hmm. that. So this is not about success anymore. This is about fulfillment of your bucket list. The things that, you know, you say to me, this is important to me. What is it now? Um,
1: Being an artist, obviously that's always, although, you know, we had a couple of really cool records and probably even big records or something, but there's always this look, I just want to do great music. You know, I want to do whether it's big or small, whatever I'm, I'm, I'm I'm hunting, I'm hunting for the next great beat or something. That's really what I want to do, you know, for a long time, very important. And to be honest, like whatever I achieved so far, I mean, I'm very grateful. And, and, but, but it was, it was half, you know, I don't know. It was, there was a lot of like luck or destiny or whatever, but I never had a master plan, to be honest. The only plan that we mutually as a team, as a company had, we want to build a music catalog because we know that the music catalog with your, you know, your work, your your body of work is, is, is the worth of what you actually do. So that's, that, you know, we're doing that. Um, apart from that, I think I'm really, you know, I want to work with more people because I know, you know, you can always see with stuff happening around you is, you know, time is limited. You know, I'm not getting panicky or something. Not at all. But I want to work. I want to get out there, work with different people. You know, whether it's uh, the the house music genre or whatever, that's what I really want to do and what I what I really looking forward, like in the near future. And I'm very interested about about new technologies. You know, it's like it's it's very, as you said, you know, we can't. I wouldn't say we slept on on you know, MP3s or getting digitalized or whatever. We didn't sleep on it, but like then obviously, it's it's a process to digest, you know. And but now, you know, with the possibility of like, for instance, NFTs, you know, I, I love it, I love the concept on it, you know, where you go like you have visual art, you know, you, you don't have to own a piece of you have, don't have to own the Mona Lisa, but you can have a digital the digital form of a Mona Lisa in your in your screen, or probably only own a pixel of the Mona Lisa. It's a concept, that might a mind blowing. I mean, I love, I love. The, the, the possibilities which we have out there and the good news is for all of our music making friends out there music will always be relevant always you know whether the new companies the new record companies maybe in the future there may be vodafone there may be google they may be they're, 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 these you're probably most of them are already but they are using music to entertain everybody mercedes-benz as a car company at one point the tesla they're going to have self-driving cars So what do they need to do? They have to entertain the people inside the car. You mean me? Exactly. So these are the modern new companies. And the good thing is there will always be a need for music, which is great for us.
0: You know, something came in my mind when I wanted to ask too, as I remember, I remember when you were stepping back into the house game again, because you didn't leave it, but you had to kind of like, even myself, we had to redevelop our image to today's standards. Was that tough for you to have to do again? You know, like it's like almost a reset, a start. Or did you just embrace and say, okay, I'm gonna jump in this, whatever happens, happens. Is that it was the attitude?
1: Yeah, I think it, it 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 was kind of that attitude. I mean, I mean, we have the record, you know, our record company is basically, I mean, Peppin' is a house label, yeah, since '93. Correct. Yes. So, but that said, obviously, we have, like, we have the label where we, you know, where I release my music, but we sign a lot of people, and obviously there's always trends, you know, they come and go and whatever, and as a label, obviously, you, you, you you know, you have to, as a professional, you have to see which trends are what, you know, what's, what's happening musically, whatever, and with Pepin Jam, obviously, we had times where we could like, you know, this doesn't feel right for the label, so we're gonna, we're gonna be quiet, quieter for, the, for a minute, you know what I mean, we're not gonna be that loud or probably we are even at releases that I probably probably wouldn't even release anymore or wouldn't sign anymore for the label. You know, if I would be now, I would be more like, more like uh straight and say like, look, you know, we're just going to pause it out. And, um, as a producer it's the same thing. Obviously, you know, I, I had this great success at the beginning of the 2000s. And then, and then you, what I, what I, I wouldn't say I forgot about taking care of myself musically as a producer, or as, as an artist, but I was like producing for a lot of people, you know, and which was great and a great experience, but I kind of, you know, that paused, that paused what I was basically loved doing, you know, which is like great house shows. So, you know, at one point I was like, I was like, all right, you know, I kind of felt I'm ready for it. And honestly, I felt as well that musically there was stuff happening again. And and and, and again, it was it was for people like, like Simon Dunmore, who at one point, I mean, we all are feeling the same thing that he said, like, look, he's, he's doing parties with his labels defected in Ibiza for ages. And he said, like, look, man, this doesn't feel right. You know, it's like very kind of generic and I don't, you know, I want to do something else. I want to, I want to invite my favorite DJs to play and do something else. And then they got this glitter box thing going, which was like 216 or something. I don't, I don't remember. And, uh, you know, and and then you could feel something as, you know, it wasn't necessarily the disco thing, but high quality music to a, to a very, very broad kind of like, you know, gender free, if you want to say so crowd, you know, age free crowd. And, and it was almost timing wise, the same timing where I said, like, look, you know, I'm, I'm feeling this again, let's do house music again.
0: Right. And I always say that because you need something to take you there. You need a forum. You may not agree with the forum, but you need some place to be able to feel like that this is going to work. Right. I'll tell you, everyone, I'll let you on a little secret. I lost interest, too. We all kind of did. You know, you're starting to see EDM music is constantly hitting the market, and you're going, what happened? We had all this beautiful music, and it just no longer accepted? But then... Generation X and Y found disco. Then they wanted to know what house music was. This is the exactly. crazy one. Yep, exactly. They want to know people like Moose T. They want to know people like Steve Socurly. And they want to know Marshall Jefferson, or Roger Sanchez, or Louis Vega, or, or myself, or Tony Humphreys. They want to know everybody. They want to know, you know. Yeah. And that was a difference than the generations before. Because the generations before were told through radio... And do music videos? What they were going to listen to—that right. was the difference. The True. internet I mean, allowed you to go and look at everything. Now we can find out as much as what is there about you in Wikipedia.
1: I mean, I mean, for that reason, to be honest, you know, times are better for music. You have to—you're totally right. I mean, obviously, you know, it's 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 it's, and it's great to see that vinyl is on the rise again. I mean, we're probably never never doing do 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 the figures again that like we did in the '90s, but. Like in terms of if you want to find something obscure, whatever, you know, you hit Google, you hit YouTube, you hit um, Spotify, whatever, you know, it's obviously, you know, you have, you have like promoting factors as well on Spotify where you, got, where, you know, certain playlists, you know, they have like certain, certain ways to run it, you know, which is fine, but people will find your music. They will find your music
0: nowadays. Oh, yeah. I mean, our music is, if it's not ripped from vinyl, it's there. Yeah. There is- Almost everything is available now. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, Musti one last question. Cause I think you covered everything. What kind of car are you driving now? Is it a Rolls? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm no, no, it's not. A, it's
1: Lenny. I'm a, how do you call that in English? Like a, um, a, a guy who, who likes, I love the beautiful things in life, but I don't need to own them. You know, I love looking at a nice picture at a beautiful human being, whatever. But at one point, obviously, as I said before, you know, sometimes people go to you and say, like, "Look, you know," or, or something happens where you pat it on your shoulder and say, "Like, well done." And for me, at one point, you know, I mean, I, I owned cool cars in my life, you know, like old cars. When I, that. Yeah, I when I never could actually afford it, and and the last car I bought was um, was in two thousand nine. It was a Maserati, a Quattroporte. Uh, which is a beautiful piece of art. If you know a little bit about cars, it's, uh, it's the last design that Pininfarina, the famous Italian designer, he did Ferraris, everything. And actually, in my cars, a Ferrari motor is, is crazy, and the interior and everything. I mean, the Italians just can do it better. But that said, every German car, like in terms of electrical uh, uh, or like 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 convenience, is probably better than the Maserati. But but the Maserati from design is the most sexiest car
0: I know. Let me tell everybody this quick little anecdote. Musti bought, when we were together in Germany, I said to Musti, I never you know, ever drove on the Autobahn. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, I forget what city we were in. And we had to get back to Hanover. And he says to me, you never drove on the Autobahn? I said, never drove on the Autobahn. Handed me his Mercedes keys. He says drive back to Hanover. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> that was oh, a Mercedes. Okay. I think, I forget. Oh. Is it a 190E at that time you had? I think so. I think so. It was a smaller Mercedes, but I was able to get that car up to about 140 miles per hour. Easy. Easy. Which easy. He had, he had did some modifications to the engine and I was actually able to experience Driving super fast on a German autobahn. For Americans, you know how slow we drive in America. It's
1: like, <laughs> exactly, which like, I like. I, I love, I love the, the 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 art of cruising. You know, I love it.
0: And all of a sudden, he said to me, "Here's the keys." It's <laughs> like really. He's like, I almost forgot about yeah. that. Yeah, he's right. like, drive my car. Come on, we go. come on. Don't be stupid. Go ahead, drive my car. <laughs> <laughs> I said, don't be stupid. How on cool,
1: man? Yeah. Oh, man, great I'll never true. forget
0: that. I'll never forget. It. I told that story. He says, Lucy, let me drive his car three hours back. I enjoyed, I never got to drive in Germany. So I right. drove your car. I was like, wow, this is so, cool. I've never been able to get that kind of speed on a, on a freeway. We never get you. I would have been arrested for what I did in your, uh, you said, right. what he said, what <laughs> said, to me, "Was you see the round circle when it says it goes down to 100 kilometers or 80, just take it down. So I would be watching exactly. circle. Exactly. Musti, you are a giant. You never give up. You're too gosh damn talented to ever give up in this game. And too <laughs> I need to
1: come back more often because you say so many nice things, you know, so flattering. It's uh, it's beautiful, man. Seriously, it's
0: beautiful. Let me ask you someday for a favor. You never know. But, you know, <laughs> no, I mean what I say. When I ask people to come on our show, I mean what I say, and I want to bring the best out in what you do, you know, and people don't really know these things unless you're in our world. And I'm giving them a vision through our eyes of what we're experiencing. You know, everything is not champagne, wishes, caviar dreams. There's moments that we're not happy with each other too, but we work through it. You know, deals don't go right. Sometimes certain things go wrong. But we always try to come back together because it is business at times and people don't understand the repl- you know, replications of signing certain deals and things. Right. But you know what? You seem to be, like I said, you have that sexual bomb potent power that <laughs> <laughs> is one last one for everybody. So... The Larry Levan ways. Everybody remembers that the Paradise Garage thing was going on. Red Bull Music Academy took the street of the Paradise Garage, and they closed it off. And I'm, um, for some reason, I'm on the side, and I hear my name <laughs> from the crowd. Trying, I let it, and I turn around, and there's T. And of course, I go run over, and I tell that security, "Let him in." Yeah. Yeah. You got me, you got me in there
1: because, um, I think that was the inauguration of the Larry Levan way. way. Yeah, exactly. And I was, I heard about it. I was in New York. I said like, look, you know, whoever, whatever, you know, I'm just going to go there. And Lenny he was, did. there, and obviously, you know, I was, I was, you know, I didn't know how to get in. And Lenny was there and he was like, look, man, come in. Security. Look me, me up big time.
0: I always do. And I love my friends. And I have to say, they always say to me, The fan mail says, you always say they're all friends. Musti, come on. You have the same problem. We all are together all over the world.
1: We can't help it, right? How
0: are you not helping that? We have secrets that we don't talk about, things that
1: happen. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Like they say, what stays in Vegas is in Vegas, right? (laughs) (laughs) We don't always expel everything we say. But when I say he's a friend or these people are true friends, you people really are friends. Like you said, we know each other 30 years. That's mm-hmm. amazing.
1: And to be honest, Lenny, I, again, you know, I mean, I mean, thanks so much for having me here at the show, but I love this because obviously you can, you know, this is like, I hope, you know, that, that, you know, people watching this, you know, they, they, they kind of like take something and maybe get inspired or something because it's one thing to, to nerd out, you know, which I love doing, you know I mean? It's like the, the studio tutorials and we can do, you know, which is one one side of the story, because you know, the other side of the story is the personal story. is the it's the story of people you hook up with. It's the it's this experience you go through together. You know how you kind of help each other, how you how you build your careers on you know on on each other's backs and all that stuff. And that's important too in
0: in in, in your career, I think. You know, hundred percent. You know, like I keep saying over and over, it's not all the positive stuff too. It's what people really appreciate most about these type of shows is is that how you fall and how you rise. you know some for some, some, some people it's been Rocky Road and how they come out of that Rocky Road to find you know that place again where they say I can appreciate where I'm at today. True. For some people it's drugs sometimes yeah. whoever whatever you know each everybody has a story good or bad but they have a story. And it should be told. Definitely. And, and
1: we spoke about uh, TV formats previously, like about something like Pop Idol and stuff. And it's exactly what you said, Lenny, because it's, you know, music plays a little role, but it's not about the music. The main star in that show are the emotions. You know, they, as you said, they want to see people rise. They want to see people fall. They want to see people laugh. They want to see people cry. They want to see what, you know, that's what the shows are about. It's
0: entertainment shows. All reality. Exactly. Big brother, big sister, my fat, my yeah. big fat 600-pound wife. Exactly. Same concept.
1: <laughs> you know, and the music al- always, you know, it's like uh, it plays a role, but it's like it's minor
0: role. Yeah. That's the one thing that upsets me sometimes, Musti, is that the music has become more of the business card than the actual driving force. Right. Seems like more like today, the difference from when we were coming up from what they have today you can have millions of followers and make horrible music and be praised for it and but yet on the other side you can make fabulous music that is absolutely off the chain and get no social interaction with
1: yes but never underestimate underestimate the power of a great track
0: no but i'm you know i'm saying we all say we won away from that great track but for the kind of work that you have put in back in the day to what we have to do now. Before it was, you were in the lab, working night and day to make great records. You let the records speak. The records would tell the world what you were doing and how good you really are. Now that
1: that didn't change, though, Lenny. It's still the same. You know, we're still in this probably not every day, you know, because obviously, you know, people have families, they have lives and all that stuff, but it's the same concept. I know, you know, when I look you in the studio and say, like, you know, I see you in the morning you want to do that damage. You know what I mean? You want to, you want to work your ass off, and then you know you're going to do that record which speaks to people. Which I think that the the audience, you know, the, the audience is clever. You know, they, they we should never underestimate music oh, loving think- people. Like, yeah, you know, so you know they know exactly when they hear a great track. You know, it's the same. The, the work is the same. You know, it didn't change.
0: Um. You have just so you can wrap this up. You have your T package sounds. What, what? How long did that take you to do? Set that up. You know the um. I see What's you're telling the the,
1: yeah, the the sample pack. Yeah. So basically, what 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 I had what I had done in the day, you know, back in the day, basically, you know, I I, I did a couple of like sample CDs, you know, stuck a couple of grooves, and I did did, did it with this guy in Hanover, you know, he he kind of like you know he, he manufactured, and that's literally like almost over twenty years ago. And then now, you know, recently, like last year, you know, this um, friend of mine from CR2 record, you know, he opened up Mark and uh, said, like, look, you know, um, why don't we do like a sample pack? There's a lot of people, you know, who, who basically not only, you, you know, they want to know how you do things, you know, how what kind of sounds you use, whatever. So, you know, for that, for instance, we did like great tutorials so we can have a glimpse, but... Basically what I do with my sounds, you know, with the MyTech console that you said, I always kind of like mold, even if I sample based on myself, I always try to mold it my way and make it my way and like, like already manipulate the sound how I have it. So the good thing was a sample thing. You get like all these sounds delivered, which already are basically ready to go. You know, you can basically use them as all my handcrafted sounds, sounds that, you know, probably of some of my productions, you know, which would be fun. And uh, it's great, you know, and and, and that's my connection with other producers, you know, and and somebody, you know, sometimes producers who go like, look, I admire what you do. How can you do it? I go like, look, you know, listen to this. And that's maybe the first step.
0: So before I let you go, can you give some people Have been asking me this question? I could see it coming up on the chat. Your workflow. Like, how do you what's your way of working in the studio you working with logic are you working with you know are you back to sequencing on a sequencer how how is your workflow set up sure um so basically i mean we have this beautiful building in hanover
1: it's called the peppermint pavilion you know which is like a music oasis and i have basically one of my studios is my private little little oasis and we have we have a big like tracking and recording room, you know, which has like a SSL console, you know, with like Pro Tools and, FF, uh, and everything, which is great for live recording. But that's it. So when, when I need it, I use it for strings for big stuff. But my studio basically my workflow is this this is me. I, this has to be like 30, 35 years old my tech console, analog console, I think it's a German company, but you can use any analog console, it's gonna sound good. Um, my DAW is logic. I'm a logic logic man. Sometimes I use adult to get like really cool effects out of the adult because it, I really like the effects, but i don't really I don't really use the uh the sequencer or the rendering uh possibilities so I do that, and that in comparison i mean I still do my beats in in logic I either program them or or basically i i, I put like you know just put like audio files like as a, as a kick drum whatever I do that um and I try to make as as many mistakes as possible because out of mistakes quirky funny stuff happens and that's great and that in comparison in 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 conjunction with a great groove gives you a great track so i got that i have a i have a great selection of outboard and keyboards but i'm a analog meets digital digital work uh, world kind of guy so you know everything on one level basically
0: so is it drums first or keyboards first and then drums when you're laying down the production work
1: both ways i I probably should go back to drums first because that's what i did in the 90s which really worked for me i was doing beats where i sort of like okay these beats are great and let's build something but um, especially for remixes i go i'm a very musical you know kind of like a harmony guy you know i need to figure out you know which are the best harmonies for a song and stuff which which so both ways to answer your question you know i'm I'm either on the piano on the keyboards or doing the beats you know either way goes
0: So as you're doing all that, are you also pre-mixing two to the final all the way from start? Yes, I am. There you go, folks. You heard it from the man himself. We got it out of him. (laughs) Get yourself a MyTech console, learn logic, play around with beats, make tons of mistakes, and you never know what quirky stuff comes out. And then you say, oh, that's it. Boom. And you move it around, put it and make your... Sequences a certain way, you make your own sounds, and there you are. Do you use outboard because you're using digital and analog gear?
1: Yes. So I, I have quite some, some some nice outboard and, you know, collected over the years. Some great keyboards and some great, you know, some, I mean, especially like uh, uh, um, uh, compressors. You know, if you have some old, like vintage, really, really good compressors, you know, they, they really do the job. Although I have to say there's amazing digital alternatives for it.
0: Oh, yeah. Holy Amazing. God. Yeah, Amazing. I mean, I, we've all worked on a lot of that stuff, and when you hear the, the digital version, you're like... Almost like, you know... That's yeah. not far away anymore. Exactly. It used to be where you go... Yep. Now it's like, oh, I can't really hit a difference. Different.
1: I mean, I mean, the very good thing is if you have, like, actually an analog console and, like, analog gear, you can really crank it up, which in the digital world sometimes is a tough thing to do where you really go in the limits... Uh, and and with analog gear, you can do that, you know, unlimited basically, and really give something to your sound.
0: Right, when you're in the red, in digital it doesn't have a red. When exactly. it's red right here, yeah. it's like
1: exactly. Oh, so oh. you know, it's, that's that's a great thing for the analog uh,
0: world. So welcome to Musti's world. He's analog and digital. That's what I was trying to tell everybody. So that's living in the hybrid. Basically, you're taking what yes. you need from one side that's and you it yeah. together. Lucy, legend you are. I know there's going to be another massive hit come out from your camp. I know you will. Pull off another big one. You always do. And we wish you all the success on the roads that are coming up in front. And of course, we want you to stay safe. Keep doing what you do because we need you there to set the standards. Don't stop, brother. Don't stop.
1: Right right back at you, man. Right back at you. I just can't wait when we when we get to hug hug again,
0: we yeah. will. We will. We'll be doing the show like this for
1: real. Exactly. Like, that's, that's the plan. We just uh, you know
0: we're gonna get it there.
1: High five. High five.
0: We're gonna get high, high five. We're gonna get there to national TV. Let me let everybody know this. Next week, Nick Hawks and Positiva Records all from right. the yeah Nick Hawks give you his story of all those records that they signed Positiva Records and how that house sound developed through the whole nineties. Wow. And positive EMI and all that world. And again, Mr. musty thank you so much. Thank you.
1: Thanks Love for having it. me, Lenny.
0: Thanks for.